Awesome. So I'll get started. The, the Book of Ruth, uh, chapter three, and we'll do chapter three and four today, and just and just finish off with with the Book of uh, Ruth. And so just a little quick overview of what we saw last week in the first two chapters. Again, Ruth is is one of the only two uh, Bible books of the Bible that, that are named after a woman. Uh, the other one being Esther. Uh, we mentioned how, how Ruth takes takes place. The setting of, of the of, of the story here in the book of Ruth it takes place. Uh, we saw there in the first verses, in the first verse it says in the times when, when the judges ruled, meaning that it was you know which is the the book right before the book of Ruth is the book of Judges, and so it takes place within that time frame you know of the book of Judges, and um, the book of Judges you know in, in that time in Israel it was a, it was a, an interesting time because again it was before they had a king and it was after they they had already inherited the land. And so the whole purpose of them of them inheriting the promised land, uh, they were never supposed to have a king rule over them, uh, because the nation of Israel was supposed to be set up as a theocracy, meaning that, that God was, was going to rule over them and God was going to be their king. So they weren't to be like the other nations around them, the Moabites, the Amalekites, the Jebusites, all these other nations around them that, that had earthly you know a, a, a king a, a men as king over them. You know they, they weren't they were set up to be a monarchy. They were set up to be a theocracy. You mean and that God was going to be their king? They were going to hear directly from God. God set up these judges within the nation, and through the judges, God was going to speak uh, to His people. But yet, the judges became corrupt. The people became corrupt, and that whole time, that whole time frame just became corrupt in God's eyes. And there's a phrase in the book of Judges that comes up a couple of times, you know, and that and this phrase just describes the whole this whole area, this whole period of time uh, of the book of Judges. And even this 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 period this period here of the book of Ruth, and that's uh, and and in the time that in that time in Israel there was no king in Israel, and so everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Mm-hmm. And so that phrase within from the book of Judges uh, it comes up a couple of times, and that pretty much describes the whole time period that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Again, truth was subjective. You know, whatever whatever they thought was right, they did it. And if you read, if you ever get a chance to read through the book of Judges, you'll see some of the crazy stuff that comes up. I mean, some crazy stories that come up there in the book of Judges. Again, because everyone did what was right in their own eyes, right? And so the book of Ruth takes place right smack in the middle of that time period, of that time period, that time frame. Uh, That verse, that one verse is in Judges somewhere towards the 20 somethings. I'll I'll, I'll give you a verse afterwards. I have to look look it up. But it's it. That's what it says. It says, and everybody, and there was no no king at that time in Israel, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes, and so that describes that this whole period. And so this is the, the this is the, the the setting for for the for the book of Ruth, and so we're, we were introduced to the family of a man named uh, Elimelech from the tribe of Ephraim, and we're told that it was him, his wife Naomi, and his two sons uh, Malon and Chilion. They left Bethlehem uh, because of a severe famine in the land. And because of a severe, a severe famine in the, in the land, they left God's promised land, the, the place where God promised to bless and the, the, the place where God told them, hey, just stay put. You know, this is, uh, is going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. But because it was a severe famine, they, they left this place of God's protective blessing and they went to a pagan land known as Moab. And so they went to go dwell with the Moabites. And then as they were there uh, dwelling in Moab, uh, we're, we're told there in, in the first couple chapters that, that, they're, that they're two sons, uh, Melon and Chilion, that they took Mo, uh, Moabite women as wives, which is something that, that, that they were forbidden to do, actually, in, in the law of Moses. God had instructed Moses to instruct the, to the children of Israel that they were not to intermarry with the other people because of all the crazy stuff that these other people were involved with. You know, and God told them like this. He says, because if you, if they, the, your kids, if your if your kids get involved with, with, with their kids, he says their hearts are going to be turned away from the Lord. 
And that was the main reason why God told him not to, to intermarry with these other pagan people, you know, because their hearts were going to be drawn away and turned away from God. And so we saw that, that, uh, that Malon and Chilion, they took up these, these Moabite women as, 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 uh, as, as wives. And then uh, we're told that, that Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And then after the two, the two boys died. And so Naomi was left with just with her two daughters-in-law. No more sons, no more men in the house. Her husband died. Her two kids died, her two sons. And so she was left with her, with her two daughters-in-law, uh, uh, two women by the name of Orpah and Ruth. Right? And then we saw how, how, how Naomi, she heard that, that God had blessed the nation of Israel uh, by giving them bread, meaning that, that, that God came back and he blessed them, their, their grains, he blessed their crops. And so when she heard that, Keep in mind, by this point, 10 years have already passed by. You know, they were in Moab for 10 years. What well, was supposed to be just a small trip ended up being 10 years. And all of a sudden, you know, she loses her husband, loses her two kids. She's left with her two daughters-in-law now. Moabite women, you know, kind of like taboo for her. And then all of a sudden, she hears that God visited the nation of Israel. So she decides to go back. She tells her, the, 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 her two daughters-in-law. She pretty much releases them from any, any uh, obligation to her. She says, look, man, she's like, she's like, I don't have any more sons. Uh, you guys go back home, go back to, to your family's houses and, and, and remarry. You know, traditionally and culturally, uh, they, they were supposed to stay with her until, until somebody, uh, you know, uh, until, until one of her other sons or somebody close to the family or another single man from the family could remarry them and redeem them. That was the law, you know, for, for the Jews because they were supposed to keep their, their name, you know, living on, their, their legacy living on. But, but we see that, that, uh, that Naomi kind of released him from that. She said, you know what? She's like, I love you girls. Look, um, there's no point in you guys staying with me. I'm too old to have any kids. And even if I did remarry and had another kid, are you going to wait till he's old enough for you to marry him? And, and she said, no, because by that time, you guys are going to be old. Right? And so she pretty much releases them from, from any obligation to her. And we see that, that Orpa left crying. You know, but, but Ruth, she was determined to stay with her no matter what. Ruth said... And then we get Ruth, Ruth, Ruth's uh, famous words, where she told Naomi, "No, Naomi, she's I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with you wherever you go. I'll go wherever you stay. I'll stay. Your people will be my people, and your God shall be my God." Now for her, that was heavy. I mean, that just kind of gives us a little bit uh, an insight into into who she was, you know, into where her heart was at. Because here she comes, you know, from a, a, a nation of people who worship multiple gods, you know, and she's she's telling she's telling Naomi, "No, your God, your one God, He's gonna be my one God also." And your people, they're going to be my people also. So she's willing to adopting her people, her culture, and also her God. She wants to serve the one true God. Uh, you know, she, does, she wants to just forsake all those other gods of Moab and serve this one true God with Naomi. With Naomi. And so they return back to, back to Bethlehem. And if you guys remember, Naomi, as she was walking to Bethlehem, people saw her and they're like, hey, is that Naomi? Right? And she said, don't call me Naomi anymore, but call me uh, bitter. Right? Because... Uh, uh, she said, don't call me Naomi, but call me Mara, because Mara means bitter. Naomi means pleasant. And so as she was walking back into Bethlehem, you know, they're saying, hey, is that pleasant coming back? He said, no, nah, don't call me pleasant, you know, but call me bitter. Call me Mara. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Right? And she recognized that, 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 you know, that, that God had you know, some type of, uh, his hand was, was in this situation, right? But yet she wasn't bitter towards God. She was bitter because of the situation, but yet she was returning to God's promised land to be with God's people. Right? She wasn't mad at God. She wasn't all these things against God. No, she was, she was recognizing, look, I messed up. Right? And God's bitter, bitter hand came upon me because of that. So she went back to this place. And we're told that, that Ruth, uh, she, was, uh, she was an awesome girl. 
you know, she, she was staying there with, with Naomi. They didn't have any money. They didn't have any possessions. They didn't have anything, right? They, there was no men to provide for them. And so we're told that, that Ruth went out and she worked for both of them. And as she worked, she happened by, by chance. Yeah, we know it wasn't by chance. But she ends up working the field of one of, their, the, one of Elimelech's close relatives, a single man by the name of Boaz who was uh, filthy rich. And he was a good man. He was a noble man. And so we see that, 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 that Ruth ends up working the, the, the field of this man, Boaz, not by chance. We see that in this whole story, we could just see God's hand just inter, interwoven between all the verses, right? And God just leading uh, Ruth to this specific field that belongs to a specific gentleman by the name of Boaz, who is a, a, a close relative of theirs. You know, and so this is where we pick it up here in chapter 3, you know, with, with all that. Uh, we see that, that that Ruth went out to work. She came back. Uh, God blessed her, and, and God touched the heart of Boaz. And so Boaz told his workers, "All right, when you see when you see Ruth uh, kind of picking up all the all the leftovers behind you, he he told his workers just kind of kind of kind of shake the grains a little bit, you know, drop some extra some extra stuff for her. He was looking out for her, right? And so we pick it up in chapter three. It says, "Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you?'" Now Boaz, whose young woman you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, uh, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garments or your best clothes, your best dress, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, where he, where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you will do. And verse 5 says, and she, show, and she said to her, all that you say to me, I'll do it. All right. And so let's stop right there. And so we see that, that uh, again, as she goes back home, uh, it, it, we see that, that, that uh, she tells her mother-in-law, Naomi, hey, I, I, I happen to work at this guy's field. His name is Boaz. Uh, we see that Naomi recognizes, hey, man, that's one of our relatives. And so she, she, she tells her, hey, just, just stay working that field. You know, don't leave that field. And so she comes back and, and Naomi tells her, he says, uh, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you that I may be, that I may be well with you? Now, when she says, shall I not seek security for you? Uh, the word security right there could also be translated as rest. And so what, what Naomi is desiring to do is, is that, man, she, she loves Ruth, right? And she wants to see her remarried. And so what she's doing, is, what she's telling her is like, look, uh, I'm looking out for you, uh, Ruth. And, and I want to remarry. I want you to, to, you know, to, 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 to find a good man to remarry and to, and, to, and to be taken care of. You know, so she's saying, I want to seek rest for you. And so we see that then she gives her instructions, you know, as to, as to uh, how to deal with Boaz, you know, so that he could be the one who's going to give her that rest, right? And so we see that Naomi loved Ruth. You know, she had been a good daughter-in-law to her. I mean, man, she stuck with her, you know, through the, the good and the bad, all the hardships. She traveled with her, you know, that, that long journey back to, back to Bethlehem. You know, and so we see that Naomi wanted Ruth to remarry. And it turns out that Boaz was a close relative. And so according to Jewish custom, Boaz could illegally marry Ruth because they had this, this law that, that, that's the, the, the law of the person who was nearest of kin. Right, so they weren't allowed to remarry just any any guy from anywhere. Right, they they were to remarry somebody who was closest to the family, closest to, to their deceased relative, so that they could continue uh, the, the 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 family name. Right, and so according to Jewish custom, Boaz could legally marry Ruth. Now, Boaz will be known as as a uh, they as a term they call him the Goel, the Goel, or other otherwise known as the kinsman redeemer. Right, because he was nearest of kin, means, meaning he was nearest of relatives. So this, this word goel or kinsman redeemer, you know, it's the same, it's the same phrasing, same terminology. You know, it's, it's referring to the, the nearest 
relative who can marry you know the 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 the, the, the widow and so uh, we actually have have a have a, a law on this you know and so the kingsman redeemer was legally able to buy a relative out of slavery or to redeem land from a deceased family member and and carry on the family name by marrying the childless widow which would be Ruth in this case and uh, the Jews actually have, have a law on this uh, about this there in the book of Deuteronomy the book of Deuteronomy chapter 25 5 to 10 I'll read it for you and this is what, what, what God's instruction to, to the Jews were concerning this this Goel or this kinsman redeemer and it says this and Deuteronomy 25 5 10 says this it says if brothers dwell together and, and one of them dies and has no son, the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn son which she bears will succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. But if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate of the elders, or like the, 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 the civil court, right? Um, Says, and say, my husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of, of, his, of his city shall call him and speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her. I don't want to remarry her. I, I, I mean, I don't want to marry her. I don't want to you know, redeem her. Says, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face and answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house and his name shall be called in Israel, the man of him who had his sandal removed. And so they had this custom, right? And so the nearest relative, the nearest brother, you know, now when it says brother, it could be cousin, it could be, it could be literal, literal brother, but it could also be a cousin or a near relative. It just uses that, that word brother. But, so, so they had this law, right? And so if, if there was a, a childless widow, you know, and she was not to remain childless, if she, if she could remarry, then the, the nearest brother, the nearest of kin, was to remarry her and redeem the family name. Now, if the person who was nearest of kin didn't want to marry her, he, he, he had the choice, he, he could refuse to marry her, right? But if, if he refused to marry her, then they had a custom that the guy was supposed to take off his sandal, give him his sandal, and then, and then the, 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 the girl, the, the widow, was to spit in his face in front of the whole city council. And, you know, and spitting in his face, I don't know, seems weird, but spitting in his face was uh, this, this, it shows uh, um, shameful, shameful,ness right? I mean, you spit in someone's face, it's some, something shameful, something dirty, and something like, man, you're dirtbag, right? And, and it, it gave off that, that notion, like, man, this guy's, su- su- you know, such a, you know, such a jerk, you know, that, that he deserves to be spitting in his face, you know, he's shameless, he wouldn't, why? Because he wouldn't uh, carry on his brother's name, his dead What's- brother's name and so the whole sandal is just again uh so back then you know they couldn't go to any shoe store and buy you know a fresh pair of vans or sandals and so the sandal was something that that was that was unique and specific to the individual you know and so as you took someone's sandal i mean it would have been recognizable right not that everyone had the same sandals because they all shopped at the same store most of the time they made their own sandals and so they were unique they were unique to the person and so the sandal would be uh, like a, a reminder to everyone like hey man i got so-and-so sandal look man he did a shameful thing in israel because he refused to redeem his brother's name right i spit in his face they all saw it the whole city council saw it but more than that i have a sandal who everybody knows belongs to this guy right and so for, and so forever as long as i have a sandal everyone's gonna know that that, that this guy did a shameful thing in israel 
It gives that, that type of notion, right? And so that, uh, that was the law given to the children of Israel concerning the kinsman redeemer. So the kinsman redeemer could legally uh, redeem uh, the, the deceased person's land, or he could redeem a, a relative out of slavery, or he could redeem you know, the, 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 the dead brother's last name by, by, re- by marrying the widow. And so uh, we see that, that, that Naomi gave instructions to Ruth, right? And, and the instructions may seem weird if you read about it. You know, we just read it right now. And so pretty much what Naomi told Ruth is like, right, she's like, go back to, that, to, go back to the field where Boaz is at, right? He's, he's going to be at the, at the threshing floor. He's going to be, you know, uh, gathering all the grain. He's going to go to bed. And when he goes to bed, she says, go there and, and, and lay at his feet, right? And, and uncover his feet. Again, going back to, to, to Jewish customs. And so... We see that Naomi's instructions to Ruth were, hey, freshen up. You know, she says, take a shower, freshen up. You've been working out all in the field all day. You're sweaty, you're dirty, your clothes are dirty. So she says, freshen up, get all dolled up, and, and wait till he goes to bed, right? And now she instructs Ruth to then lay at his feet when he falls asleep. Now, this wasn't like a, a provocative or, or sexual thing. You know, keep in mind that, you know, we're, we're, we're talking uh, about a Jewish culture, uh, ancient Jewish culture, you know. So to us reading this, you know, I've heard some people preach like, oh, man, he went to bed and, and, and she snuck into his room and, and, and was laying there on his bed at his feet. It wasn't like that. You know, we just read that that, uh, that he was at the threshing floor, meaning that he was out in the field. So it's not, it's, not, it's, not like, it's not that she snuck into his room. You know, he was sleeping out in the open field. Right. And so she went. Uh, she, she was kind of watching him from a distance. She waited for him to go to bed. She saw where, where, where he slept there in the field and she kind of she lay at his feet. And so, uh, again, Keep in mind that, that Ruth had the right to demand that Boaz fulfill the Jewish law and redeem her. But instead, in her laying at his feet and uncovering his feet, culturally and, and according to Jewish custom, she was pretty much taking the, the position of the lowest servant in a household. You know, the lowest servant in, in a household back in them, they had hired servants, right? Especially this guy, since he was rich, he had hired servants. And so uh, a typical you know, Jewish ha- household you know, with, with somebody who had money, they could hire a, a, a servant, and this guy would be the, like the lowest servant, and he would pretty much be at your feet. Like, you know, you, you've heard we've heard that term like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm at your feet, I'm at your hands and feet, meaning whatever you say, I'll do it. And so this guy, would, the, the servant, would literally sleep at the at the master's feet, because if you woke up in the middle of the night and say, hey, I need a glass of water, boom, I'll get up and go get, get a glass of water. Hey, I, I, I had a bad dream, whatever. Okay, boom. boom. If this guy, if this, guy, if this guy woke up, whatever, and he said, hey man, I'm hungry, I. I I have the, the midnight munchies, uh, and then, then the serve, the lowest servant will get up, go cook, go cook something to eat, bring it back. So, what Ruth was doing is that she was taking a humble position, even though she had the right to demand that that, that this guy marry her and, and redeem her. She had the right to, you know, and according to, to Jewish law, she had the right to do this. But instead, what she was doing is that she was laying at his feet, and pretty much she was saying, "Look, I'm at your mercy." That's what she was doing. She was saying, I'm at your mercy. You know, by this time, he knows that, that who she is, right? He knows that, 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 that she was uh, one, um, one of the brother's uh, uh, wives. She know, he knows that, that, that all the men died. He knows that, that he's in the position to redeem her as her kinsman redeemer. And, and Ruth is in the position to demand that he do so. Otherwise, they could go through the whole court thing, you know, take his, his sandal, spit in his face if he doesn't want to. She could go through that whole ordeal, right? She could take it to court. But instead, she's just laying at his feet, taking the position of the lowest servant, humbly coming to him and saying, look, this is what my right is, but I'm at, I'm at your mercy, I'm at your feet. You can do whatever you want, and, and I'm going to honor it. That type of thing. And so, it goes on to say there in verse 6, we're going to see how, 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 so she did it, and we're going to see how, how he responds. Then verse 6 says, so she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was cheerful, 
He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? Right? It was dark. They didn't have street lights or nothing. So he woke up in the middle of the night. He feels right there at his feet. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa who, who's that there at my feet? Right? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Verse 10 says, Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Verse 12 says, Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a, there is a relative closer than I Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the if he will perform the duty of a close relative to you, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, "Do not let it be known that this woman came to the threshing floor." Also, he said, "Bring the bring the shawl that is that is on you and hold it." And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley. So she, she, he sent her home with a lot of food and laid it on her. And then she went into the city. And verse 16, oh, actually, we'll, we'll stop right there. And so what's going on, again, so, so she does what, what, what Naomi told her to do. She goes to lay at his feet. Now, keep in mind, again, it says that they were at the threshing floor. Now, uh, the reason why, why he's sleeping at the threshing floor, not in his own bed, is because again, keep in mind the the the, the context of you know of, of the time that, that that they're living in right now is in the times of the judges when the judges ruled. It was a crazy time for Israel because again, they had no king to defend them. They had turned their backs on God, so God was kind of just lifted their their his protection from them. They're in the book of Judges, in the book of Judges, uh, the book of Judges, chapter six, we're, we're, we're introduced to a character by the name of Gideon, and, and we're told there in, in Judges chapter six that Gideon, that, that when the angel of the Lord found Gideon, that Gideon was was threshing wheat in the wine press, meaning that he was hiding from the enemies. And then it goes on to tell us because the enemies of Israel would come into into the threshing floor, and and every time these guys would plant something or store up crops, the enemies would come in and they would they would uh, mess it all up or, or, or they would steal their crops, and so. And so what these guys are doing is that they're, they're sleeping on the threshing floor so that if the enemies come at night, they, could, you know, they won't catch them by surprise. They could defend their fields. They could defend their crops. And so this guy sleeping on the threshing floor was something common that they would do in order to protect the crops against the enemies. Right? And, so, and so that's where, where, where Ruth comes up at. You know, she, comes at, she comes to him at the threshing floor. Not in his bed, not in his bedroom, not in, you know, in his house. It was nothing sexual, nothing provocative, nothing, you know, uh, it was nothing like that. Right? It was out in the open. It was dark, so no one, no one saw him, but it was out in the open. And we're told that, that she stayed laying at his feet the whole night. She didn't cuddle up next to them. She didn't get under the blankets with them. It wasn't anything, you know, anything perverted like that. She kept there holy. She kept there holy. Right? And so we're told that, that, uh, that Naomi does, I mean that Ruth does, as Naomi instructs her. Now, we see that, that, that Boaz was caught by surprise. Right? Uh, he was caught by surprise. He said, hey man, who are you? He's, she, he finds out that it was Ruth, you know, and, and Ruth and Ruth uh, says something something to him. She, she says, "Take me under your wing, for you are a close relative." Now, that phrase "take me under your wing," you know, could be translated as "cover me with your garment." Now, that's an ancient Jewish tradition, you know, a, a, and a symbol of a man covering a woman uh, with his protection in marriage. Right, they would have this phrase where they would literally you know, do this covering of a garment. I believe in certain places of Israel, you know, in, where, where there's uh, 
Orthodox Jews, they still, they still have practices. You know, that when, when, when a couple is engaged, the man who would come up to her and he would cover her with, with, uh, with his garment and she would wear it up until the day of, of, of the wedding. Right? And so he's covering her with, with his garment. And so when Ruth goes up to Boaz and says, and says cover me with your wing, it could be translated as, hey, cover me with your garment, meaning, meaning propose to me. Uh, that's what she's saying. Hey, propose to me, right? You're, you're my nearest relative. You know, you, you have the, the I could, you know, you have the right to, to redeem me. You have the right to marry me. So she's saying, hey, propose to me, marry me, redeem me, right? And so we see that as she says that, um, Boaz says this. He says, blessed are you. He says, because you've shown kindness to me because you didn't go after young men. Now, uh, there was an age difference between Ruth and Boaz, you know, and, and Boaz was probably significantly older, older than her, you know. And so what Boaz is telling her is like, hey, look, man, you, you're, you're, you're a noble woman because you could have gone after some young rich guy. But instead, I mean, keep in mind, she's a Moabitess, right? She married a Jewish man, but at the end of the day, she's not Jewish. So she doesn't have to hold the tradition. She could have gone and married whoever she wanted to, you know, and she would have been free from any law. But yet she's submitting under, you know, under God's law. She's submitting under the, God, the, the law that God gave his people. She could have gone off and married some young rich guy, right? Because she was young. But instead, she, she, she chose to, to, to ask uh, Boaz to propose to her, right? She wanted to do things legally. And more than that, uh, she was attracted to him because of his, uh, because of, uh, they had, like, the, she had respect for him. Right, I mean, he was a rich guy, yeah, and yeah, he was near King, but more than anything, what attracted her to him was the respect that he had for her. You know, she had he had been looking out for her since the very beginning. Remember when she first came to this field, uh, she told the guys, she, I mean, he told the guys, hey, make sure you drop off some extra stuff for Ruth. Um, then the next day, he, he told Ruth, hey, uh, when it's lunchtime, come and have lunch with us. You know, whenever you get you get thirsty. Come and get some water from the lunch room, the, the break room. He treated her well. And so that's what attracted Ruth to him, you know, and even though he was older. And so Boaz says, uh, he says, hey, blessed are you because you've shown kindness to me. And you, you didn't go after young men, whether poor or rich, right? And so she chose him not because of age or physical attraction, but out, out of respect for his person. And now we see that Boaz was attracted to Ruth because of her character, Right, and, and the way we know that is because Boaz says so there in verse 11, he says, For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. So definitely, he, knew, he knows it. Everyone knows it. You know, everyone knows who Ruth is, that she's a woman of character, that she's a, a virtuous woman. And so that's what, what's attracting him to her. Not that she has all this money, not that she has all this land that, that she inherited from the deceased relatives, but because she's a virtuous woman. I love that. And so as, as Ruth goes up to him and says, Hey, propose to me. You know, Boaz says, I, I will, says, but there's a problem. And so a problem arises. And the problem is that Boaz isn't the nearest relative. There's another, there's another relative who legally has the right to propose to, to Ruth and along with propose to her and redeem and marry her and redeem her. Uh, he could redeem all the property that was left behind by, 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 the, by the dead man, Elimelech and, uh, and, and uh, Malon and Chilion, the two brothers. And because technically... Uh, she would have inherited all this land and all this property you know, because she's still under that family name. And so uh, there's a problem. You know, there's, there's one person who is closer in relation to the family of Elimelech who technically has the right of the kinsman redeemer, you know, the Goel. So he's not the immediate Goel. There's another Goel you know, who is the immediate Goel. And so I love this because as, as we see this, you know, uh, Boaz could have not mentioned that. 
She didn't know that. And, and, and uh, I'm guessing that, uh, that, uh, that her mother-in-law, Naomi, didn't know either. Or else she would have said so. Or else she would have said, hey, don't. She told her, hey, go, go and lay at his feet, you know, do all the whole thing. If Naomi knew about it, she would have told her, right, don't do that because there's someone nearest of kin other than him. So both of them didn't know that. The only one who knew that was, was Boaz. And if he wanted to, he would he could have withheld that information and married it and did all this. But no, what he, what he wanted to do is that he wanted to do things right. He wanted to do things according to law. So Boaz could have not mentioned that. Uh, he could have taken advantage of the situation and married her and, and claimed the property that belonged to Elimelech's family. Uh, but instead, he's going to take a risk. He's going to take a risk and be transparent to this family member and let the other man choose first. Man, that's love. Because love is not forced, right? We know that, 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 that love is not forced. And he could have been all sneaky about it, you know, and married her. And man, he has the upper hand because she already likes him. You know, they've gotten to know each other. He's been working with her. He's been watching her. She's been watching him. You know, they have this relationship already going on, this friendship going on already, right? And he could have taken advantage of that. But he didn't. And she's not part of the religion. And she's not even part of, the, of, their, of, the, of their culture. Of their, you know, she's not a Jew. You know, she's not part of the, of the, of the, of the, of the people of God. So... She already had the upper hand. He could have done it if he wanted to. But instead, he's going to take a risk. He's going to, you know, lay it on the table. He's going to take a risk. And he's going to let this family member know, like, hey, technically, you have the right to marry this woman, Ruth, the Moabitess. And with that, you know, uh, uh, take hold of all the land that, be, that belongs to Elimelech's family. And so he's going to take this huge risk. Now, this is where things get intense. Because you could just imagine, you know, he, he tells Ruth that, well, technically, you know, there's a family member. I have to go tell him. So she goes back home. She's like at, at the edge of her seat, man. Well, what's going to happen? This family member could say, all right, I'll marry her. And that's it, man. Even she, if she loved Boaz, she has to marry this guy. And even if Boaz loved her, she, he has to watch her. She, he has to watch the woman that he loves marry this other man because legally he has the right to marry her. Right? And now here's Naomi too, that who's just kind of at the edge of her seat also saying, all right, well, what's going to happen? You know, is she going to marry him? Is he going to marry her? Is the other guy going to marry her? We don't even know who he is. All this up is up is up on the table now. You know, so she goes home, tells Naomi, and this is probably like the longest day of their life. Like just thinking, man, what's going to happen? Right? Trusting God, waiting on God's promise, waiting on God to 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 act. And so we see that Boaz wanted to do things God's way, the rightful way, the legal way. Right? Now, I love this because you know. Uh, along with this awesome love story here in the book of Ruth, you know, we get an awesome picture of Jesus. You know, who Jesus is, is our kinsman redeemer. You know, and, and I say that to, to say this, you know, because Jesus redeemed us from, from something as well, from sin. You know, and, and in order for him to be, you know, our kinsman redeemer, he had to be, you know, of the same family. Meaning, he had to become a man. You know, Jesus existed eternally. You know, he, he is God. He, you know, along with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus always existed, but not in the human flesh. And so what, what Jesus had to do is that he had to become, you know, like one of us. And so he took on, he added humanity to his deity. He became a man. You know, he didn't always exist as a man for all eternity. You know, he existed as, as God the Son, but as a spirit. And so he took on humanity, came to this world. The Bible calls him in, in 1 Corinthians 15, it calls him the last Adam, right? And so we see that... Uh, for Jesus, again, he had to become a man. And interesting that, that Boaz had to do things rightfully, right? And Jesus had to do these things rightfully also. And so it goes on to say, it goes on to say there in verse, where we left in verse 16. It says, it says, when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, is that you, my daughter? 
Then she told her all that the men had done for her. And she said, These six ephahs of barley he gave me, for he said, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the, ma for the man will not rest until he has concluded this matter this day. So, it's, so he, he didn't let a whole day go by. You know, he was going to take care of that that very same day. So she, she slept there at, at nighttime. In the morning he told her that. And he was going gonna, to gonna, you know, do something that same day. He was going to let a whole 24 hours go by. He was going to settle the matter that day. And so chapter 4 says, Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Come aside, friend. Sit down here. So he came aside and sat down, and he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold a piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And so we see again that, that, that Boaz didn't even let a whole day go by. You know, but that, that very same morning, it says that he went to the gate of the city. Now, when it says that he went to the gate of the city, it doesn't mean that he went to an actual physical gate. Uh, but this gate of the city is, is, uh, is like the, the, the city hall, you know, like the, 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 the town hall. Well, it's like the court of the, of the town, right? It's where all the, the, the men who made decisions were at. And so he, he went to, to, to the city hall. He went down to, to the court. Right, that very same day. And we're told that he told this man, this relative. Now, we don't even have his name. Because uh, traditionally, because uh, this guy gonna, is going to reject to redeem Ruth, again, it would have been a shameful thing. So the Bible doesn't even mention his name. Because that's how shameful it is. That man, this guy, his name, his name isn't even going to be remembered because of how shameful, because what, uh, what a shameful thing he did. You know, that his name is not, not even going to be included in the story because he should be forgotten. What he did was shameful. He, re he rejected, he refused to redeem uh, his, his brother's last name and his brother's family. And so we see that, that Boaz went down to the gate. He called out this, this, uh, this relative who had the legal right to redeem Ruth. And he pretty much told her, hey, look, there's this piece of property out there. I he pretty much said, "There's this piece of property out there, you know, uh, who belonged to, to to Naomi, and she sold it, you know, and it belongs to, to our brother Elimelech." Now, we don't read of we don't read of of, uh, of Naomi uh, of Naomi of Naomi. You want to talk? You want you want to tell that there's no class? Sorry. 